Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and guess what? It's February 10th, 2017, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am recording this from a Sully Baseball studio in Palo Alto, California. The birthplace of former Detroit Tigers great Dan Petrie and just a line drive from Sunken Diamond, the baseball home of the Stanford Cardinal. There is a piece of news that could have a long-term ripple effect on baseball, the competitive balance of baseball, free agency, and what teams are considered to be a contender. What am I talking about? Am I talking about pitchers and catchers reporting? No, no, no. Some teams are starting to break camp, you know, and we're going to start to see those players arriving, wearing their spring training uniforms. That's not what I'm speaking about. I'm speaking about, according to Forbes magazine, Jeffrey Loria already has a handshake agreement to sell the Miami Marlins. I want you to really stop and think about this for a second. Now, I have been talking on this podcast ad nauseum about the fact that Jeffrey Loria just, for God's sakes, sell the team. Just sell the team. Sell the team, you'll make a huge profit, and then we'll have someone else running baseball. I thought it would be in the positive interest of the game, the way that the Dodgers were forced to sell when McCourt was screwing everything up. I thought it would be in the interest of the game to force Loria to sell. Just like I think it's in the interest of the game to force the Mets management to sell as well. But this isn't about the Mets. This is about the Marlins. Loria has done a lot of shady things, crappy things, borderline illegal things, maybe some actual legal things. He's been a crap owner. And he has fleeced the people of Southern Florida for a long, long time. Now stop and think about the fact that he has a world championship. The Marlins have won a World Series under the Loria ownership. You know, they, the Artie Moreno can't say that with the Angels. You know, you can't say that for a lot of the teams that you know, certainly the, the, every Dodger management since the O'Malley's can't claim that. And the Marlins can. It's going to be 14 years ago, but which seems, oh, God, it's been that long. How old am I? But there's been no goodwill. There's been no goodwill built in Miami under Jeffrey Loria running the damn team. And if he sells the team and becomes a billionaire, congratulations. Go buy your art and ruin another franchise. He ruined the Expos. And he's been doing everything in his power to drive the Marlins into the ground. And look at I don't know Jeffrey Loria. He may actually be a nice guy. I don't know Jeffrey Loria. He may actually enjoy owning the Marlins. But he enjoys doing other crappy things more. And it's, it's, the Marlins have become kind of a joke. Now think about, I mean, his ownership has been a pseudo-Steinbrenner ownership. Now, there's been a, an amazing amount of revisionist history written about George Steinbrenner. 
as if he always made these decisions, and he was brash and everything, but he was a winner, and he made decisions that put a winner on the field with the Yankees year in and year out. Horse crap! He did so much to destroy the Yankees over his time that the two pockets of multiple championships that he stumbled across were because he had smart baseball people making smart decisions. And when the Yankees went on an absolute tailspin and they couldn't make the postseason between 1982 and 1995, save for the few years that Steinbrenner was suspended, so let's just say 92 to, uh, 82 to 92, Steinbrenner did everything in his power to make decisions that ruined the Yankees. Kept changing managers, kept changing general managers, kept trading away prospects for names he recognized. Those prospects would flourish with other teams. Well, look what the Marlins have done. They had eight managers in nine years. They had Girardi win the National League Manager of the Year, and then they fired him. They gave poor Freddie Gonzalez $9.22 for a payroll. He actually put a winning product on the field, and they fired him. They had the Guillen disaster, the Dan Jennings disaster. Now they have Don Mattingly. It's just a mess. And they've had some wonderfully exciting players come through the Marlins. Sadly, we've lost Jose Fernandez, one of the brightest stars, possibly the brightest star ever produced through the Marlins organization. Under his watch, they traded away Miguel Cabrera. Hanley Ramirez is gone. All these players that they just dump away. Dump, dump, dump away. And if you're a Marlin fan, you've had, obviously, the first world championship was just insane. They won a World Series, and the next year, none of the players were back. At least a couple of the players stuck around a few years after 2003, but there's, there's always a sense of, you know, don't stick around. This team is just going to go through an embarrassing rebuilding and Laurie is always in the middle of it. Now, let's say a new owner comes in. Let's just say that. And they sign Giancarlo Stanton to that long-term deal, so they're going to have Stanton for, around for a while. Sadly, we don't have Jose Fernandez. You have Christian Yelich who's going to be around there for a while. They have a couple of talented players on the team. Fine. But let's just say new ownership comes in. Now, to win over the fans... The ownership has to say, hello, I'm not Jeffrey Loria. And they also have to say, do you know what? We're going to commit to putting a team on the field. And it may be a rebuilding process, but there'll be players that fans in Miami can say these are ours. Now, here's what the new ownership also won't have to do. There is a certain amount of mistrust with the fans. There is a certain amount of anger with how things have unfolded. They don't have a, a huge sort of, when are we ever going to see a world championship? Because they've had two since 1997. Okay. Maybe nothing recent. They haven't made the playoffs. In fact, as I've said before, they've never won the division. The Marlins have never won the division, but they've also the only team in the history of baseball to never lose a postseason series. They've never lost a postseason series. They made the postseason twice. They won the World Series both times. Fine. Fine. So the Marlins have that in their favor. They have no pressure on them in that.
they also know that a new ownership just has to be better than Jeffrey Loria. Have a certain amount of stability. There's going to be stability here. We're going to put a team on the field, and there's not going to be the specter that we're going to blow it up at a moment's notice. But also a sense of, we're going to build this team up responsibly. It's not going to be, let's just get a flurry of free agents to get some sexy headlines, and then the minute it no longer is sexy, we're going to just trade them away for nickels on the dollar. But here's the other thing. Here's another thing to keep in mind. If you're trying to lure a free agent, one of the go-to places, if you are a young, probably most of the time kind of handsome, dude who's going to become a millionaire, you would want to plop yourself in Miami, wouldn't you? It's a fun place. It's a glamorous place. It's a sexy place. I've been to Miami. Miami's fun as hell. For a young single man, someone says, hey, Sully, you're now a millionaire. You're young. You're attractive. Well, maybe I'll go to Miami. Maybe I'll go to my friend who has a boat. Because let me tell you something. You don't ever want to own a boat. It's that classic saying, the two happiest days in a man's life are the day he buys a boat and the day he sells a boat. So don't get a damn boat. But listen to me. You can make Miami a destination. If you can make Miami be a place where people want to play, then that could help change the very direction of the National League East. Think about this for a second. The Washington Nationals right now, I think, are the team of the National League East. There's a strong possibility they could lose Bryce Harper in a few years. There also is a possibility they could regress. The New York Mets are a team that is as good as the health of their starting staff. They have an incredibly talented starting staff who got incredibly injured last year and just by a miracle and the grace of the gods of baseball did the Mets stumble into the wildcard spot over St. Louis uh, just, I, I still don't know how they did it. It was unbelievable how they did it. The Braves are rebuilding. The Phillies are rebuilding. And the Marlins are in a little bit of limbo, especially after the tragedy involving Jose Fernandez. But we have seen teams fall from grace very quickly. Just look at the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves, in the middle of 2014, Looked like they were about to get to the playoffs. They made the playoffs in 2010, narrowly missed in 2011, made it again in 2012 and 2013. So it was going to be the fourth time in five years with a young, exciting team. This was going to be the Braves' decade. And suddenly they collapsed. From the middle of 2014 through 2015, 2016, they just, it was an absolute faceplant. Stunning faceplant of how quickly they just dissolved. The Mets won a pennant, won a wild card, boom. But you see how fast a team can rise and how fast a team can fall apart. And if you have a new ownership, a new direction, a new commitment, 
Now, I don't know who the hell this real estate developer in New York is. I have a feeling it's not Trump. Wouldn't it be wild if it was? Wouldn't it be wild if Trump was trying to buy the Marlins kind of on the down low? You know, they said he doesn't have as much, whoever the potential buyer is, doesn't have the cash. It's all tied up in real estate and in Nordstrom deals. I don't know. Maybe I'm misreading this. Wouldn't that be wild or if that's what they're having Eric and Donald Jr. and Ivanka doing, you know, while I'm running the presidency, you go buy the Marlins. <laughs> I doubt that's what's happening, but I'd part of me would like to think that. Whoever it is, Donald Trump, Charles Foster Kane, whoever it is, coming in to buy the Marlins and have that rich toy, man, it's not that hard to imagine Miami being a team where it's a fun place to play and a fun place to go. Look it. It's difficult to judge the popularity of the Marlins and the feel of the fandom of the Marlins based upon the Marlins' existence. It simply is. Think about when they began... They were playing in, I'm just going to call it by this name, because I went by so many other names, I'm just going to call it by this name. They played in Joe Robbie Stadium, which was a football stadium. It was wide open. It got hot there. It rained there. It rained every day there. They, and, and it was not situated for baseball very well. And I believe me, I spent the summer in Florida. It gets freaking hot. It gets freaking hot there. It's, I went to a bunch of minor league games in Brevard County in the summers of 2002 and 2003. It's hot. Really hot. And it's tough to sit out there, even in the evening, and know that it's going to pour rain at about 4.10 in the afternoon every day. You know, there's reasons to not go to the park. And when you consider the fact that they weren't always putting a good product on the field. And, stunningly, they got no bump and no goodwill from that first World Series winner. They had, you know, a couple of bad years, as all expansion teams do. And then they had one mediocre season. And then suddenly, they're a world champion. And instead of Miami becoming this hotbed of baseball, which everyone predicted it would be because it's filled with a lot of players from a lot of uh, people from Latin America and a lot of people from the Northeast, which are, you know, Northeast is a big baseball fandoms up there. Latin America is big for baseball there. There'd be this combination that would come across in a big city and suddenly you have the, you know, Miami team becomes a team there. As it turns out, there is an element of, you know, fans sticking with their teams they grew up with. There are probably more Yankee and Met fans in Miami than there are Marlin fans. Look at me. I've been living in California for years and years and years. And yet I've never dropped the Red Sox. It becomes part of our identity. You know, I've retired to Florida, but I haven't given up on my Mets. There's a lot of people like that. So adopting the Marlins was a tough sell. And dismantling the world championship in 1997 created an irrevocable bad taste in the mouth of sports fans in Miami. And you saw that. 
They didn't. There was no world champion to embrace in 1998. And when they came back and they won it again, there was mistrust. Are you going to break the team up again? And it took, you know, they kept the team intact for, you know, a couple of years. But then, after 2005, they blew the team up. And ever since then, there's been nothing but mistrust. And mistrust even over the stadium. Okay, we got a stadium now. Hey, we're now enclosed. We got a grand new stadium. Great, 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 great. There's no trust there. And the trust has got to come from the ownership. I've never seen a team where the trust is so placed on the front office and nobody else. It's not based on the players. It's not based on the manager. It's based on, I'm not going to give you my emotion. I'm not going to give you my love. I'm not going to give you even my attention or even my ass in the damn seat until you show me that I can become emotionally attached to this team and have this team be competitive and good. Think about when you win two World Series and you get no goodwill from the fans over that. I would argue that the Colorado Rockies got more goodwill out of winning the 2007 pennant and getting swept than the Marlins ever got from winning those two World Series. I know for a fact that the Seattle Mariners got more goodwill from the fans by losing the ALCS in 1995 than the Marlins did winning their two titles because those two titles didn't stick. So now we have a new ownership. That's always been the problem with the Marlins. This deal has to go through. If I'm the commissioner of baseball, I said, look at what do we need to do to turn Miami into a big market team? The obstacle has always been management. You know, Montreal could have supported a team if they had ownership and a better stadium. Baseball could have survived in Montreal. Baseball can survive and thrive in Miami. It could be a place for stars to go. It could be a place where it has big attendance and a place for Miami fans to embrace the team. Now, I don't know enough about Miami fandom, which doesn't have the best reputation in the world, but it's out there. Now, they like winners, but they like the winners that you can keep together. You know, the Heat winning those championships and everything like that. They were a big ticket to go to in Miami. That could be the case for baseball. They have to build a team up. And they have to have their fan base look up and say, no, 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 don't worry. You can fall in love with this team. You can love this team because we're going to keep at least the core of it together. Look it. The baseball experiment in Miami is very difficult to gauge. The same reason why the baseball experiment in Tampa Bay is very difficult to, to gauge. You know, in Miami, you play in a horrible stadium for years and years and years, and fans don't trust the ownership, and they've had the rug pulled. In Tampa, they play in a crap stadium that's built in the wrong place. There's a stadium built for the 80s, and they start playing in the late 90s. It's in the wrong place. And so the optics of empty stadiums, 
and stars leaving Miami and stars leaving Tampa Bay make it very difficult to look at Miami as a success in the world of baseball. And for that, all I have to do is point up the 101 to 18T Park. The Giants drew badly, almost moved to Toronto in the late 70s, almost moved to Tampa Bay in the early 90s. New ownership, stars, and eventually a new ballpark, and they're the model franchise. It's possible. You can turn things around. Step one is new ownership and a new mindset. And I, for one, would love to see us move forward and see the possibility of a L'Oreal-less Marlins team. There are three franchises, four really, that I think we need to take a good long look at and make major changes to. The, the management with the Mets, that's a whole different topic, whole different podcast. The stadium situation with Tampa, the stadium or the location for the A's, and getting Jeffrey Loria out there. And that, I think, would lead to a healthier Major League Baseball. So, hey, if it's you, Eric Trump, if it's you, Donald Jr., whoever it is, get the cash. Your name is not Jeffrey Loria. Ergo, they'll love you in Miami. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, so on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 10th day of February 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Do you know what? You can call me Sully.